Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standig Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standig, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic, which means I've spent the last couple of days counting down the minutes. So we get to the first round on Thursday, uh, taking place in Las Vegas. No, I, I will be here in the DMV. I'll be out in Ashburn for all three days of the draft, reporting on whatever the commanders have going on and excited to do that uh, for The Athletic and for this podcast, for everybody who listens here, for that for sure. On today's episode, friend of the podcast, Danny Kelly from The Ringer. He's their NFL draft guy. Over at the Ringer, we had a fun conversation because we had it a couple of days ago about the draft. Um, we didn't do a, a mock. We didn't do a mock draft. If you missed my last episode, I did one of those with Evan Silva from Establish the Run. Of always a fun time, an annual tradition. With Danny, we did a little more of a game called uh, Would You Rather. Uh, whether it came down to Would You Rather this player go to this team. Uh, you have the wacky scenarios you have to choose from. It was a different way to talk about the draft, but I think a fun and an informative way as well. We, we broke it down and, and, of course, talked plenty about the commander situation at number 11. So uh, we'll get to that in a moment. And I'll also share some final insight here into the draft. Uh, this will be probably my last episode before the draft on Thursday night. So uh, we'll get to some notes here. Now, if you're listening to this and you haven't been to The Athletic yet today, I dropped a notebook on there this morning, which has a lot of draft stuff, including intel on the top 10 picks. If we want to have a guess what's going to happen at 11, got to have a try, try to get a read for the first 10. So a lot of insight there. Talk to uh, GMs, execs, scouts, other sources from around the league. So you can check that out on The Athletic. And there's other information in there about Washington, what they may do at 11. Uh, what scouts had to say about Drake London, Kyle Hamilton, and others. How does Carson Wentz fit into this? And sort of, I would say, the sort of the news of the day uh, that I put out there, the Duran Payne, uh, Washington's uh, defensive tackle, the 2018 first-round pick. The team is not expected to pick up his extension. Uh, I put that out there today. Now, to a degree, you've been listening to this podcast. is not a huge surprise. But, you know, it still has to happen or doesn't have to happen, right? I mean... I didn't, you know, not sure. I don't believe this is what was out there otherwise. So you got to, um, you never know how these things are going to work. Washington, if we're all going to sort of say that Washington does something sometimes to make you scratch your head, then if they do something obvious, that should be still noted as well. In any event, Washington, um, my understanding is they're not expected to pick up the extension. Now, what does that mean for Deron Payne, who's going into the last year of his rookie deal? Obviously, we've been talking about this for a long time. You've got the four first-round picks. On the defensive line, they extended Jonathan Allen last year. Chase Young and Montez Sweat are to come. It's not realistic to extend all four of these guys. So they did what they did. Um, or I should say this is their plan to do what they do. Things can you know, always change over time. And even if you don't extend around Payne, nothing says you can't sign him to a deal after the year. But you are basically saying you're going to let him test free agency. And so the question is... If it, if it plays out that way, what, what do you what, what are they doing? Why not trade him now, right? That's the, that's the quick answer we all have, myself included. So let's go through a couple things here. First of all, and I didn't really put this in the story or didn't emphasize it much, you know, my sense in talking to people around the league is there has been some conversation about trades. Now, I don't get the sense that they've been hard charging, looking for a trade partner. I have heard 
of, of conversations. I have heard of uh, discussion of what they'd be looking for. I would just say that, consider this, that if Deron Payne leaves in free agency, he's fa- they're facing the same third-round compensatory pick situation that they just had with Brandon Scherf. And the, as so, therefore, at a minimum, you want that deal to equal that, if not exceed that. Because he's still here this year. He's still going to play. And, you know, we know that Ron Rivera is putting a lot of emphasis on this year. If Deron Payne and those other defensive linemen live up to expectations, then this defense could be a top 10 unit this year. It's not inconceivable. Obviously, they were top top five in yards allowed and points allowed in 2020. And, you know, Deron Payne was good last year. Ultimately, this is not about performance. This is about circumstance. It's just not realistic that you're going to pay all four of these guys. So I think that's the balance that you're going to have to weigh if you're Washington. What can you get in a trade versus keeping this guy around for the year? So that's something to keep in uh, to to, con- to consider. Also, again, they don't have any defensive tackle depth right now. They released Matt Ioannidis. They lost him settle in free agency. So they don't have anybody to obviously just say, well, let's trade Deron Payne for this and we'll move we'll, we'll move somebody else in. You could, of course, draft somebody at 11. Jordan Davis, the, the massive defensive tackle from, from Georgia, is projected sort of in the 13 to 20 range, give or take. But, but I don't think you draft him unless you're going to move Payne because they're both sort of run stoppers first before they're pass rushers, so there's not much variance there. Matt Ioannidis would come in to replace Payne. That gives you a, an interior pass rush more than what you had. So that's the difference uh, sort of there. And, you know, of course, so that's, they could also draft somebody somewhere else in, in this draft. Forget Payne, whether Payne stays or not. They, again, they, they have no defensive tackle depth. Matt Ioannidis played 60% of the snaps roughly last year. So they're missing that piece. So it would be, make sense to just draft somebody in the second round or the fourth round or what have you. Uh, if needed. Speaking of the draft picks, you know, Washington, as we know, only has six picks in this draft, Martin, and only two in the top 100. Martin Mayhew told us yesterday uh, when he and Ron Rivera held a news conference that they, um, that they, he would be surprised if they ended up with the same six picks at the end of the draft. So they could find different ways to be creative to gain some extra picks. Now, typically, I would think, like, you t- you're at 47, you trade down from 47 for two third-round picks, that type of deal. Um, trading pay, though, would be a consideration. Again, I just think you've got to be, you know, you've got to feel pretty good about getting what return you're going to get, considering you're giving up a year if you were to move on from him and you don't have an obvious replacement. And by the way, other variables here. You took on the Carson Wentz contract. You look like you're going to have to pay Terry McLaurin a, you know, a deal averaging, you know, 21, 22, $23 million or maybe even more annually per year. And this is where this all gets sort of expensive, to say the least. Um, so that's the, that's the basic gist. You can go read more about this over on The Athletic. Like I said, my, my, my sense right now is that it probably makes most logical sense to play out the year and hope that you guys have, hope they have a good year. And he's part of it. And again, nothing precludes them from making from resigning at the end of the year. It is just to say that this is where they're at right now. Um, 
like I said, I'm not getting a sense necessarily that other teams are clamoring for Deron Payne, but that there have been at least some discussions out there. And, uh, you know, again, I don't know how motivated Washington is to move him, but at the moment they appear not to be motivated to extend him uh, one year after they extended Jonathan Allen. Um, all right, let's get to some other notes here. Uh, as I mentioned, a bunch of, bunch of no, notes on the top 10 in my story on The Athletic. I, I will, will, will note here that, like, in terms of the wide receivers, you know, there's definitely a lot of momentum out there for Drake London, the USC target, to the point where, forget whether Washington takes him at 11, now there's a lot of sense that he could be gone before Washington even picks eight to Atlanta, seems now like the new hot spot. The Jets at 10 could absolutely take a receiver. And then you have Washington. It makes it such that when people say, well, Ben, who do you think is going to be the pick? You know, I don't even know who's going to be really on the board. And and I understand you could say that well, almost every year, except that most years, there are at least three or four, maybe even other options where by position you have different paths. I really wonder if Washington has the fewest paths of any team picking in the first round this year. Because realistically, they only have two. Wide receiver and all this lump defensive back together. We can separate safety Kyle Hamilton from cornerback Derek Stingley or, or, or Trent McDuffie. But just to use defensive back um, the same way we might use offensive line a little bit. Or defensive line. Um, they just don't have a lot of options. And, you know, I, I, I believe the team kind of uses the same way. I think offensive line would probably be their first preference if given the opportunity. But there are just no guards in play at eleven. And, you know, I don't even think any of the top three tackles will be there, even if you were willing to move Sam Cosme inside and go that route. Or, I guess, some of the tackles in this class could play guard, but I don't think any of these guys are getting close to 11. Uh, tight ends. Nope. No, no tight end there. Running back. Yeah, I know we don't typically take running back high in the draft anymore anyway, but those guys aren't there anymore either. Linebacker. Again, we know this is a need. We know guys like De Utah's Devin Lloyd are ranked pretty high for people like uh, like Dane Brugler with the Athletic, but nobody seems to think an off-ball linebacker is going anywhere near there. So really, you're down to wide receiver, and I'm going to say probably Kyle Hamilton, um, and we'll just have to see now who's there. It does feel like there's more noise out there about if it's not Drake London that it's Chris Olave. Now, I can't say that I've definitively heard that, but that's certainly uh, out there a lot. Um, I, 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 all these receivers are very good. Uh, they should be interesting players. It feels like a lobby ceiling is a little bit lower than the other guys. And I don't know how much of a variance he is to what they already have on the roster, but a very polished, smooth route runner. He's got good speed. He would obviously be a good fit. So would Garrett Wilson. Jameson Williams from Alabama is the one where you're going to have to wait because he's coming off the ACL injury suffered in January. So probably going to miss a chunk of the season, which was why I kind of dismiss him for Washington, since there's a certain urgency, it feels. So that's kind of how I would view right now. It's Drake London is there. It feels like that's the call. If he's not, it's a really interesting one between if, again, if any of these people are there, Kyle Hamilton, Chris Olave, with maybe um, Garrett Wilson. Um Yes, trade down. That's, of course, the option everybody wants. I'm with you. I think they're with you. But we'll see. We'll see if that happens. A trade down to the late teens or early 20s would open up a lot more opportunities by position. You'd still have receiver and defensive backs there, but you'd also have offensive line, linebacker, uh, and so on. So uh, we will see what happens on that front. And 
I mentioned that I've got this notebook up. You can read a lot of different notes and nuggets in there. I would just keep in mind that free agency is going to ramp back up once we get past the draft. Ron Rivera's kind of hinted at this before. Uh, not more than just hinted at it. He said this is basically what we're going we're gonna to look to do. And there are a lot of players still available in free agency. I keep that. I, I, I think that is important to note. They could, their roster could look significantly better a, a, you know, a few days from now and not just for the draft. Uh, one name to keep an eye on, I would say, Star Latule, the former Panther and uh, and Buffalo Bill defensive tackle, first round pick, I believe in 2013. Uh, he is a free agent. My, uh, I've heard that Washington uh, explored possibly signing him earlier in free agency. The timing just kind of didn't work out for all involved, so that has not happened. Uh, but look again, they, they've got an opening right now, and I don't know his other options. But if that's still in play for Washington, it would make a lot of sense to bring him in. Uh, you know, I, I've been saying all along, I think running back at some point makes sense. Again, whether that's in the draft or somewhere in free agency, I think that's something they wouldn't want to they would want to consider. And I'll even just re- re- mention it one more time with regards to receiver. I still don't get the feeling that they are desperate to take receiver because they they do have. They are getting Curtis Samuel back. They still like De'Ami Brown. They kept Cam Sims. But like I said, between the board and the talents that are there, it does feel like that would be a good way to go. Uh, or I think that they think that would be a good way to go in the end based on all the variables that they have got to work with. Um, all right. Other than that, I would say go check out the notebook over on The Athletic. Just sort of some updates from Ron Rivera and, and Martin Mayhew. Uh, on Chase Young, basically, he's, 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 his, his rehab is going fine. On Terry McLaurin's contract extension, they're still talking, <laughs> and uh, and a bunch more on on how to help Carson Wentz in his draft, and a whole bunch of other nuggets regarding the draft. So you can go check that out. Uh, but for now, let's get to my conversation with Danny Kelly from the Ringer. He is at Danny B Kelly on Ringer, and of course, go check out the Ringer uh, draft guide on the website over there. Uh, of course, check out the athletics work as well. Dame Brugler constantly piling uh, or b- pouring out the the, uh, um, the the pre-draft info. By the way, I guess I should just quickly say people ask me all the time about my own mock draft. I'm not going to have one on the athletic. I will do my best to tweet something out once I f- finalize it for the contest. And you can, of course, follow me on Twitter at Ben Standig for sure. Um, all right, uh, let's get to it. My conversation with Danny Kelly, a fun one and an informative conversation about the NFL draft here on the Standard Room Only podcast. All right, joining the podcast as promised. He is one of the uh, go-to guys you want to talk to this time of year. He handles the uh, NFL draft for the ringer. He is at Danny B. Kelly on Twitter. He is Danny Kelly, my guy. Uh, I appreciate I appreciate uh I appreciate the time pulling you away from from your final uh, tweaks and and whatnot to your models yeah. and stuff. <laughs> I'm start. I'm, I'm one of my goals today is to finalize my top 100 list, and so that's going to be kind of a fun project. Um, I was telling you before the show though, it's like so hard this year is such a weird season uh, or draft, I should say, just because there doesn't seem to be any consensus on any one player in this draft being good. It's like I feel like we've picked holes in every single player in this draft, including the top guy probably in Aiden Hutchinson. And, and now we don't even know for sure if he's really going to be the top pick or not. Um, so yeah, it's just been, uh, it's been a grind trying to figure out like, you know, what the NFL thinks of these guys. hundred percent. Like typically like offensive tackles projected top 10 or viewed like pretty safe. 
even these yeah. guys, some people want to tell me they're guards, not exactly. tackles. Yes. Um, you know, Sauce Gardner. Okay, he's really good. Well, okay, he's kind of limited though in some certain mm-hmm. ways. Fine, Kyle Hamilton. Well, slow. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. okay, fine. What about the receivers? I mean, they're good. They're just not as good as other guys. And yeah, it just never. Yes. I'm, I, I'm with you. That's been my theme for for weeks, and it's been a it's been a problem. And by the way, th- we didn't even get to the quarterbacks, which really right, kind of kicked right. off this. Eh, we don't know what to make of this draft months ago when everybody yep. was like, none of these guys are that exciting. And it's all now it's like permeated the entire draft. Yeah. I mean, I think every draft class starts with the quarterback class, of course, but, and I think the fact that they are, this is what is considered one of the worst classes in like 20 years, probably. Um, I think it sets the tone for the draft class and maybe a big part of the reason people aren't as excited about a lot of these other guys. Like if there was two or three good quarterbacks in this class, but would people would be more excited about just generally the whole overall class um maybe that's just human psychology or whatever but um, that's just kind of how it feels to me i don't think you're i don't think you're wrong on that on that <laughs> front um all right so we're going to talk about the draft we'll, we'll certainly get into some uh, danny thoughts and the commanders but i wanted to sort of play around and rather than the usual what do you think of this guy what do you think of that guy conversations right. i've been having so we'll play we're gonna play a little game called would you rather mm. i'm gonna throw out some scenarios uh, and Danny's got to answer them. I'll chime in as well. And if Danny along the way, once he figures out the method to my madness, wants to make up his own Mazel Tov, we'll, we'll, right. we'll, 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 we'll do that too. Is this, would you rather from the point of view of the team or just my opinion on the player? I guess each one will be the, will the, the, be question dependent. Okay. Like for example, in the first one here, mm-hmm. would you rather with the number one pick in the draft, take Aiden Hutchinson, mm-hmm. Trayvon Walker, or Evan Neal. Now, if you want to take that from the perspective of your evaluation or the Jags, I'm open to either either way. Okay, so I would actually I'm going to go with Evan Neal on this one, and, and it's my belief, and I think this is this goes for both me and for the team that the the Jags should do everything humanly possible to get as much talent around Trevor Lawrence. Like that is the most important thing by far for the success of this franchise. And so you have this guy that can come in and potentially be the long-term starting left guard or left tackle. Um, you know, obviously there's been a lot made of the fact that they uh, franchise tag Cam Robinson. They got some, they have other tackles on the team. Um, but I think Evan Neal is an instant upgrade. And by the way, he can play like every position on the line except for center. So if they have guys that are playing well at one position, they could plug him in and just like make that, make that offensive line that much better. So to me, that would be the best way for them to improve their team and the, and the team's outlook over the next few years. I mean, like a pass rusher can certainly have a good impact on, on the roster and on the team. Um, but like if, if Trevor Lawrence doesn't get more support, like none of this is going to matter. That's, that's kind of how I feel. You know what, ladies and gentlemen, he, he, he is not just a good looking guy. He's a smart guy <laughs> because I could, I could not agree with this more. Like, I'll leave it up to, to, to people who are breaking down the tape to tell me if, you know, if Aiden Hutchinson is just simply a, a dramatically better prospect than, than Evan Neal. But look, mm-hmm. for me, the goal should be Trevor Lawrence is the thing, in a, especially in a draft where we're establishing that none of these guys are true different makers, good players, but nobody you're like, wow, I've got to have this guy. They did that last year with the other guy. And then they kind of squandered his whole rookie season. And then it feels like once they said they were going to keep Cam Robinson on a franchise tag, everybody went away. Well, they're good. They're like, not ah, a tackle. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, are they good? Like, because the whole point is Trevor Lawrence has to be the thing. 
And, right. you know, you can look and you can, of course, get offensive line help and round the top around, too. And that will be the debate. Right. Evan Neal and whatever right. defensive end you think you can get at the top of the second round versus Aiden Hutchinson and maybe Kenyon Green, if you think he's there or, mm-hmm. or what have you. That, that That's a worthy discussion. But I'm with you just in the vacuum as I presented. I think I would go for the offensive lineman uh, here for for what it's worth. I had I mean, you know, if you say a source said, you know, there's 100 sources, but sure, I'm not picking up. A, I'm not talking about a source I talked to on the street. A source told me he thinks that Doug Peterson actually wants to go the Evan Neal route. Uh-huh. I think maybe the question is, can they do that a few picks trade down a little bit? Maybe that's where this Trayvon yeah. Walker talk is coming. They're trying to maybe gin up some business there. Sure. sure. Um, so that would make some sense to me. But I'm with you. I would take the offensive lineman unless you just think Hutchinson or Walker is just miles better. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm working up Trevor Lawrence. That's my angle. Yeah. I mean, again, none of this is going to matter if they can't get Trevor Lawrence going. That's just how I feel, you know, and I think getting an offensive line, getting a guy protection, getting the opportunity to have him just drop back and, and feel good and, and be able to just like pick apart a defense like that is so huge. Like we've seen that year, year in and year out the teams with really good offensive lines. It's just so much easier on the quarterback. Plus they can run the ball like they want to run the ball. So I don't know to me that that would be the most logical thing to do. And you can get, you know, you can get pass rushers later in the draft. I, I think that there's a bigger cliff. There's a bigger fall off at the tackle position personally than there is at the edge position. There's a lot of pretty interesting edge guys on day two, I think. So um, maybe not to the, le- of course, not to the level you're taking a, you're taking a discount on, on these guys in terms of like the, what you're going to get. Um, or you're not going to get quite as much as what you're going to get with Hutchinson or whatever, but I don't know, man, again, it's just, it's all about building around, um, Trevor Lawrence for the long term because if they screw that up, then you know they're out of a job anyway. So, right, hundred percent. By the way, I, I made Ev- I said Evan Neal. I didn't say Ikiakuanu. Does that change your view if I throw him in there versus I, Evan Neal? No, because I, I I think even though to be totally honest with you, I'm probably gonna have Ikiakuanu ranked slightly higher. I think Evan Neal is just like the floor play. Like he's a really high floor. He's really athletic. He can play multiple positions. He's experienced. He's done it for years in the SEC. You know, it's just like this is to me the safest. That would be probably the safest pick for them to do, um, you know, both for the long term success of the franchise. And just I think he's going to be a good player. Like there's there doesn't seem to be a strong likelihood that he would that he would uh, bust. Of course, anybody can bust. But um, just everything I know about Neil, it, it seems like to me the safe pick. And, um, you know, just like what they I think what they should do. All right. Let's move up the, uh, the, the board a little here. I think number six is a fascinating pick. I mean, if we're talking about how, how complicated this first top 10 is, I think number six is sort of the one that is the big sort of fulcrum here. Yeah, It almost feels like you can kind of guess the top five players sort of, but we just don't know what the order six is. It can go in a couple ways. Yeah. I'll give you the, here's your options. Would you rather if you're Carolina or would you not, not I'm asking what you do. Would you rather have Carolina take Kenny Pickett at six who is considered to be the most ready to go quarterback? He mm-hmm. was connected with Matt Rule because he was he was recruited when Matt Rule was the coach at Temple. They have, they right. know, they know each other, all that. Or would you rather Carolina take offensive tackle Charles Cross at six, but because they're going to go get Jimmy Garoppolo because they're going to make the move to go get the veteran, <laughs> so that's that, okay, and gotcha. that's the way they're getting the quarterback. Um, I would go take the tackle and get Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I think that gives them 
number one, they really desperately need offensive line help. Like they've had a terrible offensive line for years now. Um, and I don't know if Pickett, to me, to be honest, I don't know if Pickett would be an upgrade over Garoppolo. I think that I kind of see them in the same somewhat region or category or whatever, type, whatever you want to say about quarterbacks. Like, um, I don't think you're going to get like a high, high end starter, like a superstar type, type of guy, like kind of like a down the fairway. He can be a game manager. Um, he can distribute the football to your, your playmakers. And, and in my opinion, Garoppolo does that immediately. Kenny Pickett might need a, need a little bit of a ramp here. And I don't think that the Panthers are particularly patient right now. Um, so I would go tackle, honestly. I don't, I don't think Kenny Pickett is a, is a prospect that's probably, you know, worth picking at number six, to be totally honest. I think he's more of like a late first round type of guy. And so, um, yeah, I, I would go uh, pick or sorry, I'd go uh, with the offensive tackle Charles Cross and then go grab Garoppolo. You have a ready-made starter. You know, there's plenty of questions on Garoppolo, but we, he's he's proven in the league that he can play. Um, you know, <clears throat> Carolina might draft a quarterback. I, I get it, but I honestly don't think it makes any sense because if the entire reason you're saying they have to draft a quarterback is because Matt Rule needs a quarterback, what is a rookie going to do? Justin Herbert had a losing record as a rookie, and he's really he was really good. None of these guys are sniffing that level. Malik Willis, people are saying, needs to sit a year. We, we, yeah. Assuming assuming that's act, you know that's fair. Forget what he's going to be in five years. They need to win now based on the circumstances. If I and and simultaneously, if I'm the owner, I might be saying the heck with all this and just saying we're going to tank effectively. We're going for the next year's thing. Yeah. We're just we already weren't great this year. That's Start fine, Arnold. <laughs> right, right. Start Darnold, uh, you know, build up the base of your team, take the tackle, whatever, and go from there and then and work on that. Like, that's, I think, what I would probably do. But if you can't deal with that reality, then th I would go the veteran route uh, and, and not and build up the team and not take a quarterback at six. It just doesn't make sense to yep. me. So I agree. I agree with all that. I think and I think that's what they're going to do, to be honest. I, I do kind of feel like I've leaned. I've gone back and forth on it, but at the end of the day, I kind of feel like they're not going to take a quarterback, at least not at six. Maybe they'll trade back and then accumulate a few more picks and then kind of feel better about it. But like, especially with their specific circumstances, they don't have another pick until the fourth round. So um, this is kind of their pick right here. <laughs> like this is the way they prove their team this year. Um, so I, I guess honestly, probably, you know, maybe it's all moot because they trade back, but um, that, that, if they stay there and no one wants to move up, which is definitely possible, um, I would go tackle. All right, let's let's go to a team here that uh, you you are familiar with. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks hold the ninth pick. Ooh, yeah. Here are your options. They obviously, I don't know if you heard, they traded Russell Wilson. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. okay, so that changes things. All <laughs> they right. did. They did. You, yeah, you have to adjust your boards now. Mm, you uh, okay. adjust your mocks. Okay. All right, here are their options. At nine. They can take Malik Willis. Okay. Oh, no, sorry. Would you rather right. have Seattle take Malik Willis at nine or they draft LSU cornerback Derek Stingley at nine, but while doing that, they have to, for these purposes, also then go trade for Baker Mayfield. Uh -huh. Or they stay with Drew Locke at quarterback and spend the ninth pick on uh, pass rusher Jermaine Johnson from Florida State. All right. I like these options. These are interesting. The two, the two contingency options. I'm going with the number, the middle one, Stingley and Baker. I think that actually makes a lot of sense for them to do. Uh, I know that the Seahawks have been connected strongly to Baker Mayfield and, but like from what I've been hearing, like they're not like super enthusiastic about doing this, but it's still on the table kind of deal. 
Um, maybe that's just them waiting to see what happens in the draft and how everything falls. But to me, <clears throat> excuse me, to me, getting a guy like Stingley, uh, who, you know, was in the conversation for like the top three before this whole draft season kind of kicked off. Of course, everybody talked themselves out of this guy during the draft process. Um, you know, and this is exactly what happens every year. But he, to me, has that elite, elite upside as a player. You, like what we saw in 2019 when he was just shutting down everybody, just one of the best defensive players in the country. Um, he has all the traits, all the physical attributes that the Seahawks look for at the position. They don't typically go corner this high. In fact, I think the highest they've ever taken a corner in this the last 10 years under John Schneider is like 90 something. So it would be a zig where they normally, it, it would go against what they normally do. But maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> maybe that's something they should consider going against like sort of their typical process, because let's be honest, their typical process hasn't been working lately. Um, I've kind of gotten on the Seahawks a lot over the last couple of months about just con consistently trying to get too cute in the draft. Like they constantly are taking guys that, you know, and again, I'm not saying like draft media and draft Twitter and, and the draft apparatus or whatever is like smarter than, than NFL GMs. But sometimes I feel like the, the ZX think they're smarter than everyone and they they zig like they go way against the consensus. They go way against the wisdom of crowds. They go way against what everyone is who is putting in the work and watching these guys believes. Um, and it hasn't worked out for them, to be honest, at all. So maybe go with the wisdom of crowds a little bit here and take a really good player, really good corner there. I think that's a good that, that would be a huge upgrade to their defense. It's, it's a position that they need. Um and we've seen kind of what elite cornerback play can do for the Seahawks, you know, in, in the Richard Sherman era, he was able to change the way that they could do things schematically um, just opened everything up and made everything easier for the safety, for the, for the opposite corner. So I think that would make a ton of sense. And then as, as far as Baker, like I actually think the way, like how cheap Baker is right now, he is almost becoming a huge value. Um, and I'm not a Baker fan. I'm not necessarily like a guy who's like really excited about going and getting Baker Mayfield, but with how much quarterbacks, the, the going rate for quarterbacks right now for starting quarterbacks is extremely, extremely high. Um, and he's, they're just trying to get rid of him. Like the Browns are basically trying to give him away essentially. And so, you know, he, he could come in. I think he's a better player than Drew Locke. I think he gives them um, the opportunity to try and compete this year. And that's not necessarily probably in the best interest of the Seahawks overall, but I think there's no way that John Car uh, sorry, sorry, Pete Carroll and John Schneider are going to want to tank. That's just not in their DNA. It's like Pete Carroll is just not going to do that. He wrote the book win forever. He's right? also 70. That, that was why I was yeah. wondering if they would trade Russell Wilson in the first place, because you know, he's not going <clears> to be here start for a rebuild. Yeah. Right. So I think that scenario is not only the best option here, but it's also pretty realistic i think actually so um that would be that would be that would be fun to go look back on on this conversation if this is exactly what goes down because i could actually see that happening yeah i mean to me if i'm with you baker mayfield has been so beat down that if he's actually traded for not much right i mean there's always even talk of you know he's gonna get an osweiler maybe where they have to attach a pick but that aside right. yeah. you know like yeah you know, cleveland takes on some of the money whatever it is it's gonna be a pretty good deal just don't sign him to an extension see what happens mm -hmm. and worst case you starting over anyway, but now he's giving yourself a chance. And by the way, with all this Debo Samuel news, I mean, I assume Sam Fran would still be good even with the trade, but you know, maybe there's a little more of a wiggle room there. So yeah, yeah, yeah I, I'm, I agree. I, that's the way I'd go as well. All right. I got, I got another one. All right, here we go. Going further down the list to the Ravens <laughs> at 14. 
Mm. Uh, looking at the ringer draft guide, you guys have the Ravens, one of their top needs as an edge rusher. I concur. So yeah. how about this? The, the Giants have the two first-round picks, five and seven. They could obviously take them, but you know it's a good opportunity to, to get some more stuff from them. So what about this trade? The, the Ravens trade up to, the, to number seven. They give up. You got to think here. 14, because the Ravens have a ton of picks, right? <clears throat> so they give okay. up 14, 100, 119, and a 2023 20, second. Um, okay. I, I did the draft chart thing. It uh-huh. largely works out. The future pick is always a little more challenging. But you're doing this because Kayvon Thibodeau is still on the board. And yes. you go get that guy and you get the pass rusher that you want. And like I said, they still have a lot of picks in this draft. So would you rather that mm-hmm. or stay put to draft Washington cornerback uh, Trent McDuffie? They need... They could always use a corner. It feels like in that defense, you're not giving yeah, up all yeah. the other stuff. You can maybe you can get, you know, fill out your roster in some other ways. So what would you rather do there? That's that's tough. That's a good. I like that uh, scenario because I really like uh, Thibodeau a lot. I think Thibodeau is another guy, as we talked about at the beginning of the show, like he's his, he's just been beaten down during the draft process for seemingly like dumb reasons, in my opinion. Um, that's not to say that he that's not to say that the team stuff that's coming out is not real because I think it is real. Like teams are concerned about that, but I think at the end of the day, he's so good. He's so talented. He's such a good pass rusher and overall player, three down player um, that it's going to end up looking kind of silly that we're, that we're like pushing him down draft boards and things like that. Um, That being said, I'm going to stick to my philosophical, you know, constitution or whatever that you don't trade up in the draft, especially not the first round if it's not for a quarterback. So I'm going with option B, taking the corner. I think McDuffie's going to be really good regardless. Um, They do need a corner. Um, I love Thibodeau, but I don't think you should give up that much draft capital to move up for a non-quarterback. All right. I I like it. I respect that. I mean, I kind of probably am with you. It's just like the like I'm not saying just because you have a lot of picks, you should willy nilly throw them around, mm-hmm. but they do have a lot of stuff. So they do have the opportunity to, to make a play. I was even thinking like if Washington could trade down a little bit from 11 to 14, like, like say Jermaine Johnson still on the board. That, um, yeah, that would know, be they, a lot cheaper. And I could see that for sure. That would be something that I'm not quite as against. Like if you, you never give a, I don't, I don't like the idea of ever giving up a future first for anything but a quarterback. You the situation you laid out, you know, it's a future second. It's not quite as bad. It's not quite as much. Um, so I'm more open to it. And, and if going to 11, you're just giving up probably a couple mid round picks, I would say. Um, so that would be more palatable for me. All right. Um, let's go to the wide receiver position in general. Pretty deep mm-hmm. class. There are some guys at the top that people do relatively like, but the order is all over the place. I was even noting um, for you, you've got. Let me see where I thought I wrote it down here. I think you have uh, Jamison Williams. Yeah, here it is. You have have them four spots in a row. Jamison Williams, 15. Garrett Wilson, 16. uh, Traylon Burks, 17. Drake London, 18. So just even that alone is is interesting, and and we can touch on that um, in a second. But here's the the would-you-rather scenario. Would you rather, say, in the mid-first, you know, however however that you think works, Mid first, take Chris Olave, a wide mm-hmm. receiver from Ohio State, or mid second, take Georgia wide receiver George Pickens, <clears throat> uh-huh. or 
mid-third, take Alabama wide receiver John Mechie, who's coming off uh, an injury who would have been projected higher, but you got he's got the uh, the injury. What yeah. would you rather have of those three? Because I'm looking at it from, like, say, the Washington perspective. Sure. They don't have a third, but, you know, you never know what they're maneuvering. And everybody wants them to take a receiver in the first, but there are other guys later also. Yeah. I gravitate to option B again, kind of like right down the middle. I think Pickens is a, is a first-round talent. He has the talent to be a first-rounder, but he had an ACL tear. Um, didn't come back last year until like the end of the season. He didn't quite look like he was fully up to speed, but he still made a few pretty damn good plays um, sprinkled in there. I think he's the kind of guy who had, if he hadn't had his injury, he potentially would have been being talked about as like a top 15 pick. So um, I think you get a really good value if you can grab him in the second. And it's looking likely that he'll probably be there in the second round. I, you know, he's a, he's a, he's the type of guy that could sneak into the first round. Certainly if a team falls in love with him, like maybe the chiefs fall in love with him or, you know, the Packers with their second first round, I decided to grab a receiver finally in the first round. Um, he would make some sense for them, but I think he's probably a second rounder and I think he's good. I think he has a sky high potential and he's one of the few players, one of the few receivers in this class. There's a, there's a handful of them, but he's one of the few true X type receivers, like a guy who can line up on the outside, be press, you know, be that alpha type receiver. Um, so that kind of like to me separates him because there's to me this class this receiver class is a huge vibes class it's basically eye of the beholder what do you want what style of receiver do you want for your offense because you named the, my top four and i and um you know i kind of cluster them there because that reason they're just so different every one of them is so different james williams lid lifter elite speed garrett wilson kind of the sudden run after the catch can do it all kind of guy Traylon burks is Again, sort of the yak guy. He's very big and physical, um, but a little less refined as a route runner or a lot less refined as a route runner. And then Drake London is the big, you know, X receiver type guy. Um, you know, some people see him as a big slot. There's just, they're all so different. I don't know how to like, how are you supposed to like decide who's the best there? Um, I think Jameson Williams has the best uh, trump card in that's his just pure blazing speed. I think he's a good receiver otherwise too. He's not just a speed guy, but um, he has a kind of the trump card over the other guys. And so that's kind of why I'm on top of that tier. But to me, that's just one solid tier. All right. Let's 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 uh, pull the commanders into this. So mm -hmm. of those four receivers, they have brought in Garrett Wilson and Drake London for workouts. They're going mm -hmm. to Arkansas to work out Traylon Burks. As far as I know, they have not done anything with Jamison Williams. Okay. Um, he's coming off the ACL injury, which some people <clears throat> will say no big deal. Just he's the best receiver. Take him. But the fact that Ron Rivera has continually harped on year three under him being one where they're going to step up or need to step up makes me question that a little bit. But maybe the talent in terms of Williams being a fit for them, but maybe mm -hmm. the talent trumps it all. Based on what you know of their offense, what Scott Turner does, they've got Carson Wentz, Terry McLaurin. Which of those receivers, if you have them all sort of in that bunch, do you think is the best fit then for for, for Washington? I mean, you can make mm -hmm. a case for a couple different guys, I think. But I what, what, what do you think? <clears throat> I think that London is a fit. Um, I mean, we've seen what Carson, I'm, I'm thinking less about the offense and more just about Carson Wentz, to be totally honest, which maybe not the right way to do it. Cause Wentz might be here for a year and then gone. Um, but like, you know, going back to Michael Pittman and Wentz, they certainly had a connection. I think London is a similar styled receiver, like, you know, in terms of, um, big, you know, a guy that can run after the catch, like he's going to, you can throw it up to him and he'll come down with it. And that's kind of, I think more Carson Wentz's style. Like Wentz is not the guy who's going to get the ball out quickly and check down and be like a really quick hit 
type of player. So I'd probably eliminate Burks from that. Um, and I would probably say it comes down to, for me, either London, Wilson, or Olave. Um, probably makes most sense. You know, you said they didn't have any connection with Williams. I think Williams would make, Williams would fit on every team, really. Um, but to me, the two that stand out are, are probably Wilson and London. So I'll go Wilson here just because I think he kind of does it all. He can play all three levels. He can run after the catch. He can get deep. Um, he has a huge catch radius. He's willing to go up and get it. And I think all that kind of fits with not only with uh, with Wentz, but also just kind of like he compliments the receivers already on the, on that roster right now. I don't think you need a like a Burke style player when you have, you know, this is they're not the same player. But like if Curtis Samuel comes back and plays sort of like a hybrid role, um, you kind of already have that taken care of. And also, you know, Gibson is kind of that style guy, too, where he can line up over the all over the formation theory. J.D. McKissick can line up all over the formation in theory. So they kind of have those types of hybrid players already. So I'd go with uh, I'd go with Wilson, I think. All right. Um, all right. I got another co- uh, one where you have to think. OK, well, we're staying on the commanders. I just did a mock draft for the athletic where I did like the commanders full seven rounds, but I did yeah. it in three different scenarios. So this is sort of that. But I'm just talking about the first two picks. In one of those scenarios, I gave them Kyle Hamilton, the safety from Notre Dame, um, and Tulsa offensive lineman Tyler Smith. Looks like he can play kind of tackle or guard. I I think they're kind of lacking potential star power on the offensive line now, so maybe in a year he could give them some of that. Second scenario was Drake London, the receiver, and I went with Perion Winfrey, the defensive tackle from Oklahoma. We don't talk about Washington needing defense, but they lost – Matt Ioannidis, who played 60% of the snaps last year, and Deron Payne, until he signs a new deal, is entering the last year of his contract. Mm-hmm. The third scenario was one I had some fun with and did a bunch of trades, so we'll sort okay. of skip that, but we'll just go with Derek Stingley. They could arguably take a cornerback, and yeah. just for fun, we'll give them Sam Howell at 47. Okay. I've been saying there's no way it makes any sense to take a quarterback at 11, but I think a lot of people kind of view these quarterbacks as sort of bunched together, and Howell at 47 might be viewed as decent value. Yeah, so I think, I'll, I think that would be pretty good value. Yeah. So what, so of those three scenarios, <clears throat> which one do you like the best if you're watching them? Uh, I like the London and Winfrey one, I think the most. I think both of those, the first two that you said are both like pretty damn good like, situations uh, for Washington, I think. Um, but London to me, again, it's, it's he fits the style uh, of quarterback that Carson Wentz is if they want Wentz to be successful they certainly do want Wentz to be successful I think getting a guy like him would help um he's a ball winner in the red zone he can like Wentz will throw it up to him and and, you know he'll come down with it he can run after catch he can do everything he's a good complement to everything they have on the roster um right now and then I like Winfrey you said Winfrey right yes yeah he's he's a guy who He's kind of flying under the radar a little bit, but he's, he was really good at the uh, senior bowl. He was like dominating, you know, guys, he's long, he's physical. Um, playing on a, that defensive line, I think he'd be a great fit and and compliment, again, compliment what kind of is already on the roster there. He can play inside, he can play outside. They can move him around. He's a disruptor. Uh, he's a gap shooter, all that stuff. And playing next to all these like really highly talented guys certainly would help him. So um, I think you kind of, you know, you, you address two really important things and helping your offense get better and doing everything you can to, to give Wentz a good shot of actually like resuscitating his, his career in Washington. But then you also, you know, build in the trenches and, and I, you know, Washington, they still have just like this potential to be an elite defense. I don't know what happened last year. You probably know better than I did, but 
um, you know, they still have a ton of talent on that defense. And so like adding another guy like that, I think having a really strong defensive rotation where it's like six guys deep is really important because you have injuries, you have injuries along the line throughout the year. It like, it's a constant um, and having guys that can like, rotate in, keep everybody fresh, keep everybody healthy. I think that's huge. T- totally agree. I, I, it feels like I said, we have not been discussing that spot nearly enough. And, and, you know, Washington still only signed two outside free agents at this point. Yeah. Presumably after the draft, they will do some more and maybe that's where they get so, so, some other help, but at the, you know, like starts the the former Panther uh, who was with the bills, he's out there. As we know, anybody who's ever met Ron Rivera, let alone played for him is a good, got a good shot to be on the roster. So <laughs> That yeah. could make sense, so maybe they could go that route. But nonetheless, I think that's something to um, to consider for sure. Um, all right, I got I, I got another one r- random one here. This is a, we're discussing at the top about how it is really hard to determine any any marriage of player to pick in this draft. It feels like, yeah. But I'm going to give you some, and you got to determine which one you're going to risk the Kelly fortune on. Oh, jeez. Okay. So would you rather risk the Kelly fortune on? Garrett Wilson goes eight to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. D- uh, Georgia defensive tackle Jordan Davis goes 17 to the Chargers. <laughs> okay. Uh, Traylon Burks goes 22 to the Packers. Oh, or, t- or Iowa center Tyler Lindenba- Linderbaum goes 31 to the Bengals. Dang, these are all really good. Um, I lean Garrett Wilson to the Falcons because I think that's a very uh, logical fit. Like they need to build up the, the offense. They are absolutely in desperate need of receiver help. Um, and he is, you know, one of the guys I think could be like most likely to go off the board early um, that early. So I think the Linderbaum Cincinnati thing makes a ton of sense. Um, and I've seen that in a lot, a lot of mock drafts lately. I don't think like right now, if I had to bet, I wouldn't feel confident that the, the chargers are going to pick Davis in the first round just because like, I understand how perfect he would be for their defense, but like they also have just not sunk resources into their run defense. You know what I mean? So it kind of would go against, I think their sort of main philosophy, which is like everything that we do is around the passing game. Um, So I, I, that would make me nervous. It's still possible. Certainly. I'm not like ruling it out, but like I wouldn't want to stake my entire fortune, which is meager um, on that. (laughs) Um, and then what were the other ones that you said? Sorry, you had Wilson, Davis, and then Linderbaum. What was the other one? Uh, where did I have that? Um, hold on, I just lost it here. What the? Oh, here we go. Wilson at eight, Davis at seventeen, Traylon Burks twenty-two. Oh, yeah. Everybody wants to give their Packers a receiver. Yeah. That's the yeah, first yeah. of their two first-round picks, and then yeah, Linderbaum to the Bengals. I love, love, love the fit. Burks the Packers this is like my big maybe my biggest like wish for round one is for Burks go Packers um however I don't trust the Packers <laughs> so I'm not willing yeah. to stake my fortune on the Packers picking a receiver in the first round frankly um even though I love that idea and I love the fit and I think it'll make a lot of sense for them um I just don't trust them to do that yeah I, I'll, I'll play along I'll, I'll go Jordan Davis I mean look if Trevor okay. Penning is there it feels like that would be the way for them to go to help protect Justin Herbert. Like we talked yeah. at the very top, that's got to be their priority, but it, I don't know, kind of feels like he may not be there. The, we mentioned the Ravens earlier at 14. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
the Saints, right, or or now ahead of the Chargers, feels like they could do that as well. And you mentioned earlier connected to the Seahawks too. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned earlier the idea that like this is maybe a tackle starts running a little thin, so you need to make that move. So uh, I'll roll. I'll roll that. But yes, I mean, um, you know, the but the the standing fortune would be. That what what it, what it is would not be uh would, would would be on shaky ground. I wouldn't feel too comfortable would, with any of these things. I would be extremely stressed in any of these scenarios, to be totally honest, because I could see the Falcons trading back and then missing out on Wilson. I could see them also really just liking Jameson Williams instead. Um, so it's the the all these would make me nervous, but I think that one to me is the most logical and likely. Um, fair fair enough. Um. If you have a, a, a would you rather, I'm happy to hear. But if you don't, I, I have one that steers a little bit away from the draft. Sure. Let's do it. So we're talking on Thursday. Right, it's Thursday, right? Thursday afternoon. Yep. yep. Yesterday came news of Debo Samuels requesting a trade. And, and we've been talking a lot in these parts about the fact that Tara McLaurin, you know, he's extension eligible. He, he along with the other members of the 2019 receiver class, are going to apparently uh, – plan to skip the on-field portion of the off-season program and i what i kind of wrote the other day was i think part of this whole whole tactic is to push the negotiations up earlier pre-draft even rather than wait until june july which is sort of how things go this will also allow teams to get a feel for whether they kind of need to make a move right if you were another team would you rather between terry mclaurin Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf, or AJ Brown, which one would you rather, for arguments that give up a first and let's just say a, for a, a first and say a fourth, and you have to pay the guy the 23 million bucks annually? Uh, uh, yeah. Which of those scenarios, oh, if you're man. another team, would you rather have? <laughs> that is a tough question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sound like a homer here because I'm going to go with DK Metcalf. And to me, it's again, because he has the trump card that the other guys don't have. He has just like this incredible, incredible, like explosive deep speed. And the other reason to me, and nothing against McLaurin, because I think McLaurin is a really good player, but it came down to basically Debo, AJ, and DK for me. Um, And Debo and uh, AJ Brown have both been hurt a lot. (laughs) So like that, that is to me like the tiebreaker there because all these guys are very different. All of them are extremely, extremely good players. Obviously Debo Samuel might be the most unique player in the NFL, but if I'm a team, I have to think about how often is this guy going to be on the field? Debo Samuel has been hurt almost every season going back to his college career. Uh, AJ Brown, honestly, he's like struggled to stay healthy. His knees are kind of a concern of mine. Um, I think he's an elite, elite player, but that is a big concern going forward. And DK Metcalf, you know, has managed to stay relatively healthy, knock on wood. Um, and he has that trump card of just being the most explosive deep threat in the NFL, or at least one of them. D- Tyreek Hill certainly probably is better, but um, DK Metcalf is just, you know, ridiculous. So I probably would go DK, and but it's very close. And I think it's just really the, the tiebreaker is the injuries. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I, I, you know, you can be a homer, but I won't necessarily disagree. <laughs> I mean, look, yeah. Terry McLaurin obviously is a huge favorite around here, and if you're talking from like a locker locker room leader perspective, if that's mm-hmm. the, what you're most concerned about, then I think he's the answer. Um, he's also roughly two years older than sure, DK Metcalf, and yeah. as good of a receiver he is, he um, he doesn't have the physical gifts that DK Metcalf does. He doesn't have the great yak. He doesn't have the the, the size. 
um, you know, et cetera. So, yeah. it's, you know, it's wild to sort of downplay Terry McLaurin's athleticism, but it is relative to a, a freak like 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 Metcalf. Um, the, but those would be, I think, for me, the one, two. You mentioned Brown's injuries mm-hmm. and the Debo thing. I guess I need to know more about what's going on here. He doesn't necessarily – what is it? He either doesn't want to live in San Francisco or he doesn't want to be a running yeah. back. If he doesn't want to be a running back, which I totally get, well, then what – is his value still the same? Um, yeah. And Terry McLaurin has good stats with no quarterback in three years. So I would like <laughs> to – yeah, I'd, I would have loved to see this conversation be very different. I'm sure if like Russell Wilson had been uh, Terry McLaurin's quarterback, because um, he probably would be putting up ridiculous numbers. <laughs> so that also is a factor here. But I, I think the age thing is a great point. You know, like honestly, you probably just want to go for the younger guy, um, and, and you know, hope that he's still ascending kind of deal. Got it. Um, all right, Matt. Well, I guess just just lastly, people like sleepers. So would you rather give me your favorite? sleeper and anywhere in the draft or would you rather give me uh your favorite sleeper anywhere in the draft (laughs) uh this is a great question does like a third rounder count as a sleeper because i really like khalil shakir from boise state i think he's a guy he might be he might go in the fourth round he's he's potentially third or fourth round i'd say um but to me he's a really fun player he's just uh for lack of a better term like uh just like a ball or a football player like he's really good after the catch um, kind of turns into a running back after the catch. I comped him to Golden Tate. He's not; he doesn't have as much gyroscopic balance as Golden Tate. No one really does. But after the catch, he's really dynamic, really fast feet. Um, he's a playmaker in the red zone. You know, he's a high volume guy. He probably is going to be put in the slot at the NFL level. But I think he can kind of play all over the formation. Um, and I think he's going to like whoever takes him in the third or fourth round is, is going to get a starter for me. Um, he's the kind of guy who I've compared. Um, not as a player necessarily, but just like stylistically and like what will happen in the draft is this could be the guy who's like, I'm on Ross St. Brown where you get him drafted in the fourth round. And then he's like a, a starter for you in year one. So that would be my sleeper of the, of the middle rounds is Khalil Shakur. Did you say gyroscopic rotation? Gyroscopic balance. Like oh, gyroscopic tape. balance. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, that, that's to be a good, still good, good, good name for a band. Gyroscopic balance. <laughs> yes. I love yeah. that. I could, I could, I could go with that. Um, dude, that was great. I, I, I appreciate it. Uh, at, sure. at Danny B Kelly on Twitter. Uh, obviously you're also the, the, one of the, one of the hosts of the ringers fantasy football show during the season. Yep. We've got a ton of draft stuff up there right now. So obviously go check Danny out. Anything else we need to know? Uh, any yeah. other takes you need to throw out there about this draft or the commanders or anything along those lines? Oh man. I don't know. I don't have any hot takes on, on at the top of my mind. Um, you can also check out the ringers NFL draft guide and the ringer fantasy. or sorry, the ringer NFL draft show is going right now, which is on the ringer fantasy football show feed during draft season. So check that out. Awesome. Uh, Danny definitely appreciate it. Well, I, sure. you know, I'm going to, the, the, the listeners will be tracking these, these choices and, uh, you know, we'll see if that we're coming yeah. for the Kelly fortune or not, uh, <laughs> down, yeah, down the line. I didn't know I was what I was signing up. Yeah. You know. <laughs> you you got to read the fine print. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, man. All right. Thank you. All right. Big thanks to Danny Kelly for his time. Go check him out on the ringer. Thanks to everyone here for checking out the podcast. And of course, if you want more pre-draft coverage, uh, you know, I had uh, prospect breakdowns with Greg Cosell, Dane Brugler. You can go find those uh, from the past few days, the Evan Silva mock draft and just my nuggets along the way. That's it for now, though. Ben Standick signing off. Until next time. See ya.